guys and girls and everybody. This is Lissa Mandel from the Bitch Seat Podcast. As some of you may know, we are a part of the Atlantic Transmission Network, which is a network that puts out all kinds of great podcasts. A great way to support our show and our sister shows is to visit theatlantictransmission.com and click on the Amazon link at the top of the homepage. It's all the same great Amazon stuff at the same great price, but we get a small piece for sending you there. So if you want to keep shows like The Bitch Seat going, keep us happy, then, uh, you know, throw in your pennies. You don't even have to pay anything extra. Hi, everybody. What's up, guys? How are you? Welcome to your life today. There's no turning back. Oh. So you can't jump back and forward 30 seconds on your iPhone. We're not going to talk about iPhones. That's right. why I love the show. We don't have to talk about Fine. iPhones at all. But that's where they're listening. So I was just, yeah, you know, just referencing present points of view. Not, not, not media. Just. I mean, Phil knows that lately all I've been talking about is technology and how I think that the, this is my thesis. The reason why people in our, he just rolled his eyes. You, you, couldn't, you couldn't hear that, listeners, but Phil just rolled his eyes really hard. I am obsessed with nostalgia. Obviously, well, I want this to show exists. Finish your point. So here's my thesis. People of our generation, people of a generation who came of age when the internet arrived, who so were basically straddling the analog and the digital you know, because I had the first 13 years of my life when there weren't, when there wasn't internet. Um, and then when the internet arrived, suddenly, suddenly there was this like split path and there was like the persona that formed that was the cyber persona. And meanwhile, the flesh and blood person also had to continue. And so it was like maintaining two different kinds of lives. And so I think that people in our generation are obsessed with nostalgia because there's a part of us that's still longing for that simplicity and that oneness that you got to experience when you were just one person and just in one place. Like right now, Phil, I'm looking across the table and talking to you, but my digital self is doing work for me online. There are people, you know, retweeting me or liking my Instagram things. Like, are listen there? I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Hey, I'm kidding. come on now. <laughs> yes, there are. And by the way, yes. I cracked I cracked 1,100 Instagram followers this week. So it's good. bully for me. Good. My, but, my, my feed is way cooler than hers. You should follow me. I forget what my name is. It's probably Phil underscore Cassell. Your feed's also really good. It though. is. And it's, it's a flock of sandwiches, which is the best Instagram name it's, that there is. But regardless, regardless, there used to be, it used to be more okay to turn off and kind of do nothing or at least do creative some things, but now everything is in the service of this digital persona that we're yeah, creating. But I, but I think that that digital persona that we're creating uh, is, well, for me, when I discovered the internet, there was really no going back because I, uh, I was, I didn't really have any friends in the real world anyway. So it was like, yeah, I may as well make right, friends. So there. it turned out to be a savior for you. Yeah. But I think now, um, there is a conscious effort to not try and be all over the internet. And unfortunately, while you're standing here, your internet presence is, is, is moving and, 
doing way better than mine. But uh, I'm not bitter. Uh, (laughs) But I don't think that you need to place uh, as much pressure on yourself on the internet. I think you think treat it like you would uh, treat somebody treat it like like you're uh, misunderstood and you're like get away from the internet you're smothering me and the internet's always calling for you just just ignore it no it'll always it'll always be there no but it's different it's different because I the reason why I I felt the need to live in New York from way 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 back is this thing that I didn't know about at the time at the time called FOMO and I wanted to be in New York. I needed to be in New York because it was the center of things and I couldn't miss. I couldn't miss progress. I had to I had to know what was the front of the locomotive. And that's why I came here. And I think with the internet it's the same thing. I would like to not participate, but to choose not part- to not participate is to take myself out of the flow of society. And you know, now there are kids born in this country who won't know life without the internet. But, but how did you get 1100 Instagram followers? I mean, I'm on that every day. I started it a long time ago and I did it actually because I enjoyed it. All right. I do remember when I first met you, you had a pretty strong Instagram game. Yeah, I have a good eye for that shit. I know you do. I'm just I wasn't saying I have that to brag. I'm saying I wish that I could just throw the whole thing out the window, but unfortunately, it's not a choice, especially if you are in an industry that's about visibility, like yeah. comedy. Of um, you know, and I I I exist on this planet to be heard, to speak and be heard, for better or worse. And while I would rather just speak and be heard live and in person and be able to make a living doing that, I can't yet. Wow. So I have to depend I'm going to fire you as my co-host. You're supposed to back me up here. I'm backing you. All right, listen, I agree with you. I agree with you. You're obsessed with nostalgia too. So I am I, obsessed. I'm not, I'm not ragging on nostalgia. It's a, it sucks. Like we are the last, we're the, we're the last vestige of the analog that's generation. That's what I'm saying. And you know, that's I, why, I, I, that's I agree why some things like Stranger Things fucking exploded. Yes. Because people were dying for that time of exploration where you don't know, you can't, there's no yes. Wikipedia where you can go to and look up this lab or whatever. I, I understand. I, I understand ex- everything you're saying, and I'm not disagreeing with you. I, in fact, last night, I went for a walk with my friends from when we were kids. And we didn't talk, and we didn't use phones. What? That's what you're fucking talking about. Is that, is that, that's what you're talking about. Yeah. Cutting yourself off, putting your phone down, no, and being in right. the moment. You're right. I agree, and I'm glad that you did that. Yeah, but like, it's still there. You can do that. No one's telling you not to. I know, to. but I know that, Phil, but what I'm saying is that it is a society of very much out of sight, out of mind. And I'm not, you I'm, ju- I'm not, I'm not, I know that's just the way it is. So I'm lamenting it because I can, and because I am proud to be one of the last vestiges of people who knows what living in an only analog world is like. Sure. I'm proud of that. But it's also, now it's part of my responsibility going forward to try to bridge that gap between the simplicity of being, but also not falling out of relevance. Of course. You know, because a few years ago, I went to this retreat upstate, this movement retreat with my with my teacher, Lloyd Williamson, and it was beautiful. He has all these acres of land in the woods in upstate New York in the middle of nowhere. And for two weeks, I barely looked at my phone. You know, none of us did. And it felt so... Thank you. And... But I'm not saying that, I mean, I had a lot of anxiety about that. I didn't want to not look at it. But ultimately, after the two weeks was up, my body felt different. I felt like I was 
breathing better. I felt like I was thinking more clearly. I felt like I was enjoying moment to moment. And then lo and behold, I take the train back to Penn Station and pop out on a steamy, you know, 90 degree New York summer night. Smells like garbage and urine. And I'm immediately back in that place of like rushing, rushing everywhere, you know? And I think that that rushing feeling has only increased and it used to kind of be confined to cities, but now because of the internet and smartphones, it's everywhere. And that it's, it's become sort of not, it's, you can, yes, you can choose to step away from it and, you know, and not be involved, but then you are choosing to be left behind. No, I, I disagree with that because I think if your presence and the work that you do and the things that you say stand up and hold, and, and hold water, you can take a day off. Or, or two days off. But I'm longing to take like a year off and sit on a rock in Joshua Tree, but I can't I do that because that. I would lose my career momentum. Yeah, I know. I, and I, I, I agree with you. It's, that's hard. Um, <laughs> that's difficult. You should hire a PR person to do all your work for you, which is, uh, we should really get on that Patreon thing. Patriarchy? Pat, patriarch? Patreon. 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 Yes. I know. Take down that's the That's not the point. The, but that's not the point. I understand. Well, then what is the point? The point is you just want to disconnect. I want to disconnect, but I think that we are beyond the point where that is available to us unless we are retiring now. Sure. I, I, think I, I agree. It, you, you, you have to keep up or else risk losing relevance. And I can't lose relevance because it's my job to speak relevantly. And unfortunately, I, I, I understand. And unfortunately, that's, everything's moved online now, so it's, it's very difficult to disconnect because that's the only way a lot of people communicate. I know. So, and it's beautiful for a lot of reasons. There Listen, we go. It's beautiful that's, for a lot of reasons. Sure. But here we are. I'm happy to be here sitting across the table from you looking at your face and I have a diary in front of me and I'm going to read from it. Okay. Go ahead. It's actually the uh, unplugged. Great. Notebook. Suddenly, as I watched my grandmother and mother chatting in the melting warmth of late afternoon sun, I felt a feeling of frustrated loss. Something was missing, or about to be missing, and a certain misplaced thought in my mind triggered and spun, and, oh, trapped and struggling at the back of my misunderstanding and confused head. Tranquil depression buzzed, uncontrollable and irritating, trying to remind me of a half-forgotten and sad flyaway thought. Was I mistaken? Or was summer the quietly sad misfortune that nipped at me from all directions? Summer meant antsy time on my hands, time to recall long-lost memories from a long-lost childhood. Keep in mind, I wrote this in 1996, so I was 12? What month? Do you know? Uh, it's July. This, ha- this was in Maine. Nice. Yeah. That's when I discovered the internet. Oh, very appropriate. Mm-hmm. Somehow... A year rendered a hazy circle in me. In autumn, and all through the busily rushed school year, summer was the crazed, distant event that I looked forward to. However, when summer's sweet breath was finally there, swirling by my windows, it was school that was my desire. I was never content. Bam. And that is what suffering is. That's like, that's 20 years ago, right? That's 20 years ago. That's 20 years ago. Look how nothing has changed. I'm so sorry, listeners. It turns out that I have not improved at all. But you have done 
Imp- you have improv. But I have improved. I have improved, but I have not improved. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's cool. let's get our guest yeah. on. Yeah. So this is a, this is a a banner day on the Bitch Seat podcast um, because we have with us one of the show's biggest supporters and one of the truly loveliest people I know. She is an incredibly talented uh, makeup artist and uh, body painter and. She is just, she has amazing taste and her apartment looks like a mid-century modern um, Pinterest page and she's just everything awesome and her name is Lenore Koppelman. So right now we see Lenore in a pet store bounding from one cage to the next waving at singing little songs to the animals and she has she has painted on cat nose and whiskers so she's communing with them yes yes and then she and then she has a key and she opens all of the cage doors and releases them and there are bunnies in the street and they have a parade out and no one did a thing to stop her because they were like you know what she's on to something i'm gonna let you finish yeah I'm interested. Hi, Lenore. (laughs) That totally sounds like Would you have done that? Yes. Yeah, good. Good. Were you a big fan of of Pee-wee's Big Adventure when he saves all the animals? I, when I was a kid, I made a diorama. Um, We had to do a diorama at school using an egg. We had to. What? Yeah. No, we we were told. What what year was this? Like, how old were you? Um, Not what year, but uh, what grade? I think we were like, I think it was like fifth grade. Mm-hmm. Something like that. Um, and we had to take an egg and hollow it out and paint it and make a little diorama out of it. Did it stink? Uh, I don't remember, probably. But, like, the kids were like, oh, here's a diorama of me playing in my room or me in the forest. And I did a huge three times bigger than anyone else's diorama, Pee-wee's Playhouse. Oh, uh, my God. Great. Yes, you did. And the egg was Pee-wee. Awesome. Uh, wait, so... Wait, how did you make it three times bigger? Did you, like, attach several eggs to each other? Uh, no, I, it's just everyone else has had, like, a shoebox, and they did it in the shoebox. And I took poster board and made this huge, tall Pee-wee's Playhouse with, like, floors. And this was... What, and the chair? The chair, Cherry, was in it. The pterodactyl. I was a kid everyone hated because... I so badly wanted to please everybody, and I'm still a big people pleaser. Mm-hmm. It's one of my most annoying traits. And so when the teacher was like, do a diorama, I'd say, ha-ha, I'm going to do it ten times bigger and amaze her. Yeah, you sound like me yeah. when I was that age. And then like the kids were like, oh, God, that bitch, again. Yeah, ruining the bell curve I, for the rest right. of us. Yeah, that was me. And where, where was that? Where were you when you uh... I grew up in New Orleans. Very, very cool. Yeah, very cool. Was I did it not, as cool as it sounds? I didn't realize then how cool it was. Like, I, I think it wasn't until I went away to college that, and people were like, really, you're from New Orleans? That I realized how cool that was to grow up there. But growing up there, I was just like, everyone hates me, and I'm fat and annoying. <laughs> were you, um, well, but listen, I understand the thing of having school as your thing. Right. Um, when you're when you're feeling socially and romantically and otherwise unfulfilled, yeah, at least you have school. Yeah, and so, but did did you have any friends or did you isolate? I well, you know, I had my misfit friends. Yes, that were like the really creative, artsy theater people friends. Of course, and I'm still friends with them because of Facebook. 
So we've all sort of reunited <sighs> that way. Okay, I yeah. see the value of the internet. No, uh, but and I totally get what you were saying because <laughs> I, I have these fantasies of being able to go back in time a whole day in the 80s and relive a day. But the thing is that when I think about it, I'm like, I want to be like the kids in Stranger Things or E.T. or where I'm on a bike and I'm riding through the woods and we have an adventure or like Goonies or something. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But the reality is I would have just like been at home watching The Price is Right with my mom (laughs) and like just like sitting around eating snacks. Right. I was definitely an indoor kid. So I would walk to the video store. I'd look at the video covers. I wouldn't really even like. I'd get a movie, but, like, the adventurous ones I wouldn't even look at until much later on. But, oh, like, yeah. yeah. I mean, I wasn't really. I wanted oh. to be adventurous. Yeah, no, I, I fantasy. Well, and I watched a lot of, like, the Ferris Bueller stuff mm-hmm. and all that. Where I was, like, I would take notes. Like, my journals, which I don't know where they are anymore, but I would make notes on how to be cool. So I'd, like, really? Yeah. So, like, do you recall anything? I mean, because Ferris Bueller, that's, he's, like, the quintessence of cool at that time. Well, it was, like, buy a jacket with fringe. Oh, <laughs> Sloan. Yes, right. yes, yes. Or it, it was, like, you know, make my hair long and super shiny, and maybe people will like me. Oh, God. You know, it was, like, yeah, or, like, my journals were, like, if I were to lose, it, like, I'd calculate, if I were to lose eight pounds a week, like, how thin could I be in a month? Like, kind of things. Yeah. Or it was, like, things, like, um, I would read these teen magazines, mm-hmm. and in the back it was like, if you send $5 to this yes. address, yes. we will send you a book on how to be popular. And what? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because I remember, I remember like, it, draw a turtle, and you can get into this art class, but well, I don't remember. No, these were, and then they'd send me the stapled together, like, made, it was like Xerox copies, just stapled, with pictures of boys with really bad cheesy haircuts that were more 70s than 80s oh it was already archaic yeah it was already archaic and it was like you know like be hygienic it was this fucking like <laughs> lady or guy sitting in their home printing out these things <laughs> right it was it was like some dude it was some like middle-aged fat balding dude mm-hmm. who was like i'm gonna make a buck off of people's insecurity right again Welcome to capitalism. Yeah. Yes, but yeah. it was one, you know, it was always somebody. There's always going to be that. It's yeah. always there. And it was advice like join the cheerleading team. You know, oh, like, yeah. like NBD. Sure, sure no problem. Okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah, sure. Do that. No problem. Or it was like, you know, be very hygienic. Always make sure that you wear deodorant. And I was like, I paid five bucks for this. And that was like, <laughs> for common sense, but at least, you know, at least it's written down. A lot of now, people need so. that common sense. You didn't because you happen to be smarter, but, yeah. uh, but my friends were awesome. Like our idea of hanging out was getting together and singing show tunes or oh, like, yeah. put, you know, like pretending like we were doing a play on the front lawn. It was a lot of playing cassettes of like Cindy Lauper and Prince and Michael Jackson yes. and inventing a dance and then making our parents sit on the lawn to watch. So it was like our idea of a good time. Mm-hmm. Did, hey, did Phil, did you ever do that? Did you ever put on shows that you made the adults watch? No, not really. We, we wanted to. We made movies. We, we tried right. to, because we didn't have editing equipment, so we would we'd take the digital, like the little camcorder thing, and we'd shoot to edit. So we would try and like shoot action scenes uh, shot for shot and try and get the, like try and do it without doing as, as any work at all, because if it didn't work, we'd have to go put it in the VHS thing and try and edit <laughs> from the VHS on the TV. It was fucking annoying. But most of the time we just argued about what the next shot was going to be until uh, somebody's mother came to pick us up. (laughs) So, I mean, we always, we all thought we were going to make like evil dead and that was going to be our, our thing. 
but eh, it's fine. Well, my other weird thing I did as a kid is I would, I loved to throw very weird themed parties. Oh, how cool are you? I was obsessed. See, you didn't need that fucking book. Yeah. You know, I didn't realize how cool I was. Like now looking back, I'm like, wow, what a cool kid. Yeah. Um, Like I was obsessed as a little kid with the TV show Night Court. Oh, (laughs) yeah, me too. I was super obsessed and I had a Night Court themed birthday party. What? Wait, wait, what did that entail? Um, It entailed my dad who has, you know, been bald for a long time, you know. Um, making him dress up like Bull. Nice. I made my mom dress up like Christine because my mom had like the Farrah Fawcett blonde hair. And I was the, you know, I was the judge, Judge mm-hmm. Harry. And I took a black garbage bag and put that on. Oh my and God. I performed magic tricks and made my dad play Mel Torme records through the thing. <gasps> and the thing was that like only two kids came out of everyone I invited and their parents felt bad. So they stayed. So, like, the parents were like, well, we'll stay, and it'll be like it's more people. And there was, like, all this food. And I was, like, doing magic tricks for them as Harry. Oh. And I had a little gap. I had a hammer for a gavel. Oh, my God. And But it was, like, this thing where now I look back as an adult, and I'm like, how fucking cool was I? To well, like- yeah, but now you got to take that 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 awesome, like, inventiveness and right. bring it into yeah. your life now, especially as a mom. Yes. Well, yeah. that's big with my kid because – my kid is amazing. He's so awesome. And he happens to be autistic. So he has very unusual interests. And it reminds me a lot of me growing up with mm-hmm. all the, you know. And so when he comes to me, like, with these amazing interests that are considered weird by the other kids, I'm like, you have no idea how cool you are. You are so cool. Oh. Because as you get older, you're going to see, like, this makes you so much more interesting. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I still, I still want to meet. Want to meet he Ralphie. is so awesome. I'm obsessed with him from afar. He's, you know, and I, I mean, I say this is like, okay, I know Ms. Mom is supposed to say this, but he's the most fascinating person I've ever met. Truly the most interesting. I mean, this is a kid who taught himself at 14 months old how to break the, uh, the code of phonics and start reading. Who's like, oh, I'm going to teach what? my, yeah, no, he has something called hyperlexia, which is mm-hmm. the opposite of dyslexia. It's a wow. splinter skill of autism. And usually, so hyperlexia means they teach themselves how to read before the age of five. But he started at 14 months old. What? Yeah. So like when he was 16 months, if he was tired, he'd go P-I-L-L-O-D-O, which was how he would pronounce W. Or he'd say B-L-A-N-K-E-T. And I'm like, this is different. Yeah. You know, like, and then my husband who has Asperger's was like, I did this as a kid. It's no big deal. This is normal, right? I'm like, no. You're like, like, I'm living in a house with geniuses right now. Totally. And I, I mean, it's so cool to me because this is a kid who is so self-directed that when he was three years old, he was like, I want to teach myself all the capitals of every country in the world. And so he would just sit down with the Atlas and read it. And then just be like, you know, the capital of this is this. The capital of that is that. When I was three, I was like, you know, picking my boogers and right. eating them. And, you <laughs> yeah. know, like, it was just, he's so fascinating. And I know so many moms are like, my kid's so cool. But I can just stare at him and go, you are awesome. And like yesterday, he came to me and showed me something and said, what is this? And it was a little toy, what I thought was a cocoon. Mm-hmm. And I said, it's a cocoon. A butterfly goes, no, mom, it's a chrysalis. Butterflies (gasps) don't make cocoons. That's a myth. (laughs) This is a chrysalis. And I was like, what the fuck is he talking about? And I Googled it. And I'm like, my whole life has been a lie. (laughs) 
Like, we were taught that in school. I know. Yeah, butterflies see, don't even make cocoons. Like yeah. it's not even a butterfly thing. The word chrysalis is so much better. It's anyway. so cool. But you know what? I bet you it just had a. You know, it was less marketable than cocoon. Much like the movie Cocoon. Yeah. Why isn't there a movie called Chrysalis? Maybe there is. They, I mean, they reference uh, the stage of Chrysalis in Batman versus Superman, but that's an awful movie. So, uh, so. if it's any consolation, <laughs> um, when did you get into makeup? Oh, gosh. So when I was little, growing up in New Orleans, um, there was a woman in the French Quarter in Jackson Square. And if anyone else remembers Jackson Square in the 80s and you know of this woman, let me know. She was so great. And she had a big floppy hat with fake flowers on it. And she was the happiest person. And I would look at her. She was a face painter. And I would look at her and say, wow, she's so happy all the time. And this was back when face painting was not as involved as it is today. It was like Mm -hmm. these little sticks that you dip in water and draw on someone's face. Mm -hmm. And she had this wooden director's chair with a canvas back and seat. And she had a big umbrella and a big floppy hat and dresses with long skirts and she had little bell like the bracelets with bells on them so mm-hmm. they jingle when she painted me and how old were you around that um let's see I moved to New Orleans when I was six from Forest Hills mm-hmm. and so this was from the time I was six until I was probably like 10 mm-hmm. and every Sunday we'd go into the French Quarter and we'd have breakfast and I would tell my parents today and this was like the age of stickers and Lisa Frank. Oh, yeah, You know, that oh, we are well smelly, acquainted. Smelly erasers, the pencil boxes that had like, you had all the smelly erasers and pencils mm-hmm. and, you know, all that. And I'd say, I want to get a unicorn on this cheek and a rainbow on this cheek. And then up here, I want like, you know, a heart. And my parents would say, well, you have those big chipmunk cheeks. So it fits all the things, you know, mm-hmm. so finish your breakfast and we'll go. And the whole time she was painting me, she was singing and smiling and just so happy. And then as I got older, I fell into the rat race of, you know, first working in Rockefeller Center, then working um, in Times Square, gray cubicles, mm-hmm. business meetings, having to like wear little business suits. Which, oh my goodness, for the listeners who can't see Lenore <laughs> right now, she is all bright colors, all the bright colors that there are. Yeah, I'm, I'm a big kid. I'm, my, my husband always says to me, oh, my God, I married a Muppet, which I find amazing. the biggest compliment ever. In fact, our wedding song was Manamana, and yes, we danced <laughs> to it at the wedding. That's like our song. So, you know, the, me being in a black suit, like in a gray cubicle. It, was it makes just, no sense. Oh, I was miserable. And um, I was just like, I've got to find a way to be happy. I love my husband. I love... You know, it's not like I was so depressed that I was like, I don't want to be here anymore. Mm -hmm. It was more like, there's got to be more to life than this rat race. This sucks. And there was this day where um, I was working for Kaplan, and um, I had just gotten that job. I'd left my previous job because I was tired of all the traveling. and I wanted a job where I didn't have to go anywhere. I, I spent so long trying to get to New York. And here I was in New York, and I was never there. I was right. having to travel. So I was like, I'll take the pay cut. I'll take this other job, work in a call center. Um, and as long as I get to stay in New York, it's fine. And two weeks after they hired me, they laid off the whole, you know, like the whole call center. Oh, my God. And what was so fun, super fun, was that they told us, oh, we're going to have a cu- um, an employee appreciation day. 
<laughs> where we're going to, you know, the big wigs are going to come into town from the main office and get everyone pizza. And it's and we're going to tell you all how much we appreciate you. And I was like, oh, I love pizza. Pizza rocks. <laughs> and they show up and the guy's like, yeah, I've never met the man. I'm new. I'm still being trained. I hadn't even taken an actual call. And he's not looking at us. He just seems upset and distracted. And, oh, my God. And then he's like, well, let's go and, you know, here's your pizza. Let's go in the other room um, and we'll have our pizza. I go in the other room and our boss looks like she's been crying. And she's just sort of sitting there, the manager of our, our department. And I'm like, something bad is going on. And this was during the recession. And I'm like, oh, my God. You had just been I hired. Just been hired. Why did they hire you? Well, the minute that they handed out the folders and it was our severance packages, people started crying. I was so happy. <laughs> like, this is like this thing where everyone's like, oh, my God. And I'm like, this is awesome. Like, I felt so set free, and I was giddy. I was downright giddy. I called my husband, like, meet me for lunch. He's like, what about your pizza party? And I'm like, uh, just meet me for lunch. I ran down the street. I told him, you know, when we got to the diner, I said, um, I have the best news. And I handed him the package. I was like, I'm free. And he's looking at it like, oh, my God. So at this point, it's like, what are you going to do with your life? And I decided I have this opportunity to have a fresh start. Yeah. So I am going to figure out how to be happy. And I'm the daughter of a scientist, and I'm a daddy's girl. My dad's a geologist. Mm -hmm. Very so, cool. So you had all the rocks growing up? Oh, my God. Are you kidding? And now my son has all the rocks that I had. It's like a tradition been passed oh, down. Oh, that's Does he call them minerals? Well, are you kidding? My kid is like... He knows what they all are. Yeah. yeah. He's like, this is labradorite. Of course. He, and this of course. Is, yeah, of course. I know. I mean, it's... Oh, see, Ralph and I are going to be best friends. Oh, he's awesome. Yeah. Excited to meet him. Um, and so my dad's like, well, if you want to learn how to be happy, you know, treat it like a scientific experiment and read these books about happiness and have a control section and an experimental section. Wow. And so, you know, I did that. And I read this book, The Happiness Project mm -hmm. by Gretchen Rubin. Mm -hmm. It totally changed my life. It was like, I read it and I was like, okay, I have to make a list of things that make me happy. I have to figure this out. And there was this just moment where I made this list and I'm looking at it and I'm like, this totally looks like a party. And I started thinking about my, <laughs> my birthday parties is, you know, yeah. the whole like night court thing. Yeah. And I was like, I really love kids and parties and colors and balloons and paint. And I suddenly got flashbacked to the face painting lady. Oh, my God. And I was like, oh, I'm going to be her. I'm going to be the face painting lady. And when I told my husband, he was like, it's about time. What? Yeah. He was like, you know, it's about time. Well, had you been practicing? No. Oh, no. I sucked. When I started this, like, not even three years ago. Not like if you look at pictures, you the kids were like, what is it? And I'm like, it's a dog. Can't you tell it's a dog? And they're like, um, OK, thank you. Oh, and they get out of the chair. No. But I loved it. And here's what I figured out. And she explains this in the book is that when you are really excited and passionate about something, you want to do it all the time. Right. And so like my husband would be like, can you please come to bed? It's two in the morning. And I'm like, OK, I just have to learn how to paint this zombie one more time. <laughs> and I have this like big rubber like cosmetic head that mm -hmm. you paint on. And I'm like, I'll be there in a second. Cause I loved it. It was the first time I was doing something where I enjoyed it so much. I wanted to do it all the time. I'd wake up in the middle of the night, got to pee, get out of the bathroom, can't go back to sleep. You know what I'm going to do now? I'm going to watch an episode of Faba TV, which is for people who don't know, um, 
face painting and body painting, it's a whole industry. We have conventions. Mm-hmm. We have, like, you know, like big wigs that we follow, celebrities in the industry, the whole thing. And, and when you're well-known in the industry um, and really good at what you do, you get to be an instructor on face and body art television. And then people who are in the industry pay per year to, like, watch all these classes. And I would just stay up three, four in the morning. I got to watch this one on butterflies and like see how to do this. And after about six months or so of constantly painting, because it made me happy, even though I sucked at it, yeah, I was like, I don't suck anymore. And this was huge because I was that person in the family where my brother's a doctor and he's always gotten like really good grades. Mm-hmm. He's always made the family proud. I was the person in the family where everyone was like, oh God, what's going to happen to Lenore? Like, she gets bad <laughs> grades. Like, she, you know, like, I, I was that fuck up in the family where, like, I'd come up with a business plan and be like, I'm going to start a business doing, I'm going to go to Big Lots. I did this. Yeah, This was a business. <laughs> I went to Big Lots and bought a whole bunch of, like, those tape, like, those things where you put the food on it and it turns the around. The Lazy Susans. Lazy Susans. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to paint them as different Susans. <laughs> so like, Active I mean, Susan. Like, yeah. yeah, well, Dopey was, Susan. Well, no, it was like Susan Sarandon. <laughs> and one, like another one would be like, you know, like oh like, my god, I would just like pick or Susans from like TV shows, um, you know, from Brady Bunch or whatever. Act like whether it was the actress's name or whether it was a character's name, and I would try and sell them. And I wasn't a good painter people will be like, who is that supposed to be? And I'm like, that's Susan Sarandon. You can't tell. And they're like, uh. And I'm like, it would take me hours to do. And I'd be like, yours for 80 bucks. And they're like, I'm good. Thanks. So, you know, then I'd be like, okay, this business isn't going to work. And I just kept, people, my parents were like, oh, God, like, what's going to become of her? So I love this, though. I feel like you're the poster child of what, what everybody wants to happen to their life. It's like yeah. when you... You met that, I swear, you talk about this woman, this face-pinning woman yeah. in the French Quarter. Mm-hmm. I just hear, like, strains of, like, Mary Poppins in the <gasps> distance. Totally. Because she, for whatever reason, that mm-hmm. woman was planted in your path. Maybe Absolutely. she wasn't real. Maybe you imagined her. Who knows? But a seed was planted right. by that woman. And then, unbeknownst to you, all this time while you were growing up, mm-hmm. that seed was growing into right. a tree and then you didn't even see it until one day it's just like you pulled back the veil and there it fucking was oh and i remember the exact moment that it happened uh, i love that gives me such a spiritual boner yeah like i was covered in goosebumps i was hanging out with my friend pamela who's a broadway actress and a makeup artist and our kids were playing together and i the moment i thought of that face painting lady i turned to her and i was like pamela pamela i i think i'm going to be a, a face painter and she looks at me and was like oh that is fucking perfect for you I like and I remember the tree we were standing next to in Astoria Park when it happened oh like listen crazy shit happens in Astoria Park that place is magical that place is an energy vortex it was there I was covered in goosebumps and every time I go there and I see the tree I'm like I wonder if it was the same can you can you tree yes is is it near the pool yes like underneath the shade it's it's, is it like along, not along the path, it's sort of, it's off the path? It's like just behind the pool? Yes. Why? Uh, I, I communed with that tree on a recent mushroom trip, but we can talk about oh this later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I put tree. my hand against this tree, and it oh told God. me that I was meant to be here. So I'm just... Holy uh, there's also, like, there were three specific trees, well, yes. like three different characters. 
They were, but they were all whispering. Oh, oh yeah. my god, they were well, all whispering. We had been at the playground with our our boys, mm-hmm. and then we were leaving, and it was like on the way to the exit, like right by the pools. Oh my god, yeah, yeah, that's crazy. I, I, oh my god, <laughs> oh, now now who's got a spiritual boner? Yeah. Me. <laughs> so. I just, I couldn't love that story more. It's so amazing. And you're so clearly so gifted at what you do. And Thank it's you. perfect for you. And I love that your story is that because it makes so much sense. It's I, very satisfying. You know, I, I went through my life, like this is me as a teenager. Yes. Okay. Uh, that uh, we will see, I'll yeah. put this pa- picture up on um, this is, our Facebook page. This is how I spent most oh, this of my is life. Your, this is your bitch please face. Yeah. Well, no, this is my come on universe. Really? <laughs> really? <laughs> like this is the face that I made through, through my thirties and into my early forties when all this happened, where it was like, come on, like, just give me a break. Like, help me be happy. This sucks. And I loved my kid, loved my husband, but it was like, I'm Steve's wife and Ralph's mom, but who am I? Yeah. You know, like, and I wanted to be someone independent of everyone else that I was crazy about, that mm-hmm. I was like, what an awesome person. And, you know, and now that I'm doing this, I'm realizing like all I had to do to get there was figure out what brings me joy and bliss and makes me super happy. The thing that I would do if money was not an object, right? Like, yeah. you know, if I didn't have to pay two grand for an, a, a thimble sized apartment in yeah. Astoria, um, and if I could just live rent free and not have care in the world, what would I do? And then how do I find a way to make money doing that? And that's what I ended up doing. It's, it's like, I get to paint kids. And most of what I do is painting children, corporate events, you know, and birthday parties. And, painting whole bodies on adults and doing like makeup and special effects and all this stuff. And the whole time I'm like, this is so fun. This is so cool. But you know, I want to be that woman to those kids. I want them to remember me as like, Oh, she came in. She was so happy. And she had like a bracelet that had little jingly bells on it. And you'll, and you'll plant that seed in some future artists as well. Absolutely. And one thing I do that, I didn't, I was doing subconsciously and I realized it one day was I look for the girls who remind me of me when I was little, the ones that are like really kind of chubby and awkward. And And you know that they're feeling so uncomfortable in their bodies. Right. And the ones where like, you know, there's the popular girls standing in line and, and she's like standing off by herself and I give her like the prettiest face. Yeah. Like I'll give her the best butterfly or the best zombie or whatever she asks for. So all the other girls are like, ooh. And I see her sort of transform in that moment. <sighs> that confidence come in. She was in a Chrysalis before that. Yes. Chrysalis. 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 Second episode in a row where I turned into an Italian man to pronounce something. Last episode, please. Oh boy. Listeners, go I don't want to mess with, with your... <laughs> yeah. No, it's this. That's Ooh. wonderful. It's almost like, I mean, if this were a sci-fi show, uh, you you were the lady in the French Quarter, yes, and you traveled back in time to yes. inspire yourself. It's, that's kind of my goal. It's a bootstrap paradox. I mean, yeah. I mean, who knows? Who knows? Time traveler Ari Costa probably set it in motion. That's a long joke from. 10 episodes ago. Don't worry about it. I'm, yeah, we're going to have to go back and find out which ones those were so that he, there were there was a there he's was been a, he's been immortalized in this podcast. A long block of them. Anyway. Anyway, um, listen, you have your this artifact. Yeah. With you, oh, my God. Open in front of you. Oh, my God. 
Let's get into it. Because I know you're embarrassed about it. All right, I am. Yeah. So my dad being a geologist, our family trips, like other kids are like, oh, we got to go to Vegas for for summer. We got to go. Oh, how wholesome. My dad was like, let's find a cave to explore. Amazing. Or let's find, you know, my dad's also a huge history buff. Mm -hmm. And he would be like, you know, let's find a Civil War you know, reenactment thing and go to that. And we get in the car and it was just, uh, like, do we have to do this? And so growing up in Louisiana, you go to Mexico a lot in the 80s. Because you can just drive to Mexico. No big deal. And I was terrible at keeping journals, really. um, But I managed to keep this one. And it was a travel journal uh, on one of the trips to Mexico in 1986. Mm -hmm. And I was 11. Um, so, <laughs> oh God, here we go. Yeah. yeah. So date, Sunday, July 13th, 1986, El Rancho Motel in Texas. And I did this crazy thing with El Rancho where I put eyes and a tongue sticking out of it. I don't know why. <laughs> Hi, here I am again. We are in the El Rancho Motel. I am still in Texas, Fort Stockton, Texas. Yesterday, I went to this truck stop to eat. My dad says it's called ozone. I asked for nachos. I knew they would give me beans, so I asked for them on the side. They forgot. Barfo. Then <laughs> we stopped at a bar for drinks. Mom and dad had iced teas, and I had a Sprite. And then we ordered lemonade. The girl who served was nice. Later on, we ate sandwiches. Then we ate at McDonald's. So do you see a theme <laughs> here? Like, you know, like it, they say in New Orleans, you don't eat to live, you live to eat. Oh, yeah. That's it's just you go from one place to another. It, it's just eating. all about eating. Um, then we ate at McDonald's. I had a Big Mac and fries and iced tea. Mom had hot tea and iced tea. Dad had iced tea. Now, why was this so important to me? I have no idea. You have to keep a record of all of it. I do. Yesterday, we saw many pretty things. We saw a lot of valleys. And then I break into, like, I try to write a poem or a song. I don't know what this is. (laughs) Look at the hills and look at the trees. Peek in the canyons and feel the breeze. This is the life for me. (laughs) That's great. Sunday, July 13th, 1986, Texas. I am now in the car. A Girl Scout counselor car broke down, so she is in the car with us. Dad is still driving the girl is next to dad and mom and i are in the back of the you picked up a hitchhiker yeah mom is angry i think dad is flirting with her oh my god (laughs) it is very quiet and no one is talking anymore (laughs) this is like a movie right the scenery is beautiful hills valleys trees dry land shrubs plateaus mesas and next to every word i have sp question mark which is like spelling spelling? on every word. Um, Beautiful railroads and tracks, trains and cattle. A splendid Heidi scene. (laughs) And now we are nearing a town, a splendid cowboy scene with a pizza hut. (laughs) So like these trips for me are all about where are we going to eat? What are we going to eat? You know, like, and it goes on. If you read the rest, it's so much about, it's so food oriented that it's like, okay, now we're in Mexico and this is what I had. And then dad had this and mom had that. Like, it was just hysterical. Do you know, did that, do you think that came from your parents? Or do you think it, it came from like being in New Orleans and having that attitude of like dining is, <laughs> is life? I, you know, I mean, my mom is Brazilian. Um, 
And it was, it's a lot of like, let's have everyone come and have feijoada. Do you know what feijoada is? Oh, tell me. So feijoada in Brazil is a very big deal. It's like, it's like a religious event where on Saturdays you get together and go to a restaurant or a family's home and you have black beans with pork and collard greens and little bits of orange Ooh. and this thing called farofa, which is like, you know, like this whole like yucca meal thing with like, oh, it's just amazing. And it's a whole feast. Do you know how to make it now? You know, I, I don't, but I've made it a goal that I'm going to figure out how to do and invite you guys over. Please. For oh, yeah, please. You know, and like and my husband and I are like those Jews that eat pork, you know. Yes, so, yes. As am I. So we're like, yeah, let's put that in there. Um, And so it's it's this whole thing of the family's going to get together and we're going to eat. And every Sunday we're going to go to the French quarter and we're going to eat. And like, it's just about, I grew up with this kind of notion. Like my mom would be like, did you have a bad day? Let's go eat, you know? And so like, Mm -hmm. it it became like my friend, my comfort, you know, it's Mardi Gras. Oh my God, let's eat. Mm -hmm. You know, but I do make my own king cake from scratch. Your own what? King cake. Oh, what is that? My God. What is it? (gasps) It's king cake. Okay, so king cake. So I grew up across the street from the Haydells family, which is like royalty in New Orleans because they the Haydells bakery is the best bakery in all of New Orleans. Okay. And so they make the best king cakes, like like state renowned. Okay, so what's in a king cake? The king cake is like this, it's this big round Danish that has the colors. Um, purple, green, and gold for mm-hmm. Mardi Gras um, with colored sugar on top and icing. And inside of the cake, there's a little plastic baby. Oh, my God. Okay. <laughs> and it's like, it's the baby Jesus, basically. And you don't want to eat the baby Jesus. Right. Because you'll die. Because you, you'll, you'll choke. choke. We had a, a history. <laughs> we know. had a history teacher at my school in middle school. And he was, um, I think he was like a... Oh, gosh, like a Quaker or something. Like he had left his, you know, religious whatever to, like, come be a teacher at our school. And he had never heard of King Cake. And we were like, you know, don't bite down on the baby. And he was like, what? And we said, there's a baby in the cake. <laughs> and he said, it is not nice to tell lies. Like, God will oh, punish no. you. And so we, you know, I didn't. But one of the other students looked underneath, saw where the baby hit with leg was poking out. Gave him that piece and he chipped a tooth. Oh, he well, chipped a tooth you know and we're what? like, that's what you get, asshole, for like mm-hmm. See, that's, us. yeah, baby Jesus is you having get a good the baby Jesus. over this. But in New Orleans, if you get the baby, then you have to bring, the very next day, you have to bring the next king cake. So like at school, you bring a king what? cake. How many but, days are there? Oh, it's all through Mardi Gras. So it's like two weeks of every day you have to eat king cake. Oh, so here, here's why I'm dumb. Wow. I thought Mardi Gras Mm-mm. was one day. No, well, that's, uh, the the big day, the very last day, the day before Ash Wednesday, it's like the biggest right. day. But the season is a couple of weeks of tons of parties and parades and balls and everything. And so through that time, whether it be at work or school, you bring in a king cake. You eat the king cake. Whoever gets the baby has to bring it the next day. So then you have to go to the, the nearest like store and come in with the king cake. And our all, okay, so I assume all king cakes are not created equal. Correct. And because Haydell's was the best and they lived across the street, um, like it was the one time of year that I was the cool kid. 
Because, oh, yes. Because they would, like, give me, if I got the baby, they would give me a king cake. Like, we wouldn't even have to buy it from them because they were, like, family, you know. And so I'd come in, and I was, like, a superhero when they saw the Haydell's Bakery logo on top. Mm-hmm. And they'd be like, damn, that's not a little king cake from the Canal Villery. That's a Haydell's king cake. And I was the shit for that moment. Like, it was just, like, oh, I'd come see, in like and there's hero. another moment of food mm-hmm. being the savior. Yep. You know, I'm telling you, I for better that. or for worse. <laughs> so true. Oh, I love that. Yeah. That's awesome. I want one of those now. I've never been to I'm New gonna Orleans. Make you I mean, neither. I really you can want make them. I make them from scratch. Nice. Oh, I'm making you a king yes. cake. Yeah. Will there be a baby in there? Yes. Awesome. Or a you something. buy them by the gross. And so you get like a bag of 144 babies. <laughs> Seriously. It's ridiculous. Wow. Yeah. Um, I think I can picture these babies because I feel like there were a lot of stores that I like, like little shops that I would go mm-hmm. into where they would sell like bouncy balls and Chinese finger traps they're and like, all these things. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and they're little plastic stuff. dinosaurs. Right. And the babies. Um, but that reminds me of um, this Greek tradition. My friend uh, Catherine, Kat, is Greek. And we did uh, New Year's with her one day. Mm-hmm. And there's a Greek New Year's tradition where you have this uh, a special cake that has uh, – like a dime inside of it or some yeah. kind of coin. Right. And whoever gets that, it's like, it's very good luck for, you know, it's a good omen for the rest of the year. But also that's even more dangerous thing right. to yeah. potentially put in your mouth. Also, yeah. I just, I just pulled up the baby no, and that, that was baby. a perfect that's depiction. It. Okay. So the yeah. baby in the king cake is completely featureless. Right. It's like a, Widespread um, arms. They, and they're usually a white baby, but they also have other ethnicities. I would like a diverse but... baby in my king cake. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. or maybe like an army guy. Like my friend Ish, who who, paint, who yes. paints with me frequently, would say, "Why got to be white though?" Uh huh. Like That's it's right. Like yeah. Or you could you could paint a face on the baby. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's it's plastic that would probably bead right up and come right off. But so it would, yeah, so we would be eating the paint in the. Cake. Yeah, yeah, but it's it's a very. Oh, cute... I'm so excited! Yeah, I'm so excited. Um, well, as you know, yes. I, I have a gift for you. <gasps> And I actually have other gifts for you back oh home God, because so I couldn't sad. decide because so many things I was like, oh, my God, Lenore would just lose her mind but over this. because everybody gets one here, it would be unfair. We gave oh. you five gifts. Yes, but I'll get you some secret gifts later. You'll get secret Ooh. gifts later. So this is from my um, illustrious keychain collection of youth. Oh, my God. And a real throwback. It is a hot pink <gasps> oh, man, oh, that's, car phone. That's perfect. It's a car phone and it's hot pink and and like neon yellow, man. which is very Lenore colors. It matches your dress. Oh yeah. my God. And remember when phones looked like that? Oh, the yes. antenna doesn't come up, unfortunately. That's okay. Oh, but the little switches work. Yep. This was the same colors as my caboodle. I used to keep my makeup <gasps> I in. I had a caboodle uh, too. I had a purple one. My dad used to call it my boy tackle box to catch boys with. Oh, I was going to say it's a girl tackle box because it's a fishing it's well, a tackle box go. for there girls. But this yes. is amazing. Thank you. Oh, it's made in Taiwan. That's oh, exotic. Gosh. Uh, terrible. Thank you. Oh, my it's God. It's probably made by some very this, poor child. Yeah. You know what? Like, I could do a whole body painting based on this. Oh, I should do a, a bitch seat body painting where it's all nostalgia things. Oh, yes. yes. Oh, well, my God. And your logo, like right on the boot. Uh, yeah. Yes. Oh, I would totally. I would get naked. You would? Yes. Okay, you heard it here, people. I would You're get naked. You're my witness. body painting. This is going to be amazing. Because Lenore has these cool, there are these cool things, these tricks of the trade that I learned by mm-hmm. watching her do a live body painting the other day of Stranger Things, which, by the way, y'all should check this out. Uh, Lenore's company is called The Cheeky Chipmunk. And, um... Uh, so I guess when you're painting a naked 
body, mm-hmm. you cover up the nipples with these special... T- can, yeah, can you explain what these sure, are? Sure, sure. This fascinating. So, you know, um, I mean, we always love... It's easier to paint someone who's totally nude, but that's not mm-hmm. always possible. If you're doing it at a venue where they say, sorry, we have a liquor license, so because of that, we can't have nudity and things like that. Oh, so um, this prudish country. Yeah, mm. that's right. So uh, we put on a, a nude-colored thong that we paint over, mm-hmm. and then the best pasties ever, and every body painter hoards them like gold. They're called monster pasties. And writing it down. Yeah. Monster pasties are the best. It's created by a company called monster paste and they make monster pasties and, um, among other like gory special effects stuff. And it it makes the boobs look like Barbie doll boobs. So it's like this, they're just smooth. They're totally smooth. It's like this silicone kind of thing. And they go on the way a temporary tattoo goes on. So my model will stand there and I will give her pads that have rubbing alcohol on them. She'll clean her breasts to get rid of oils and Mm -hmm. lotion and things like that. And um, so then once she does that, I hand her, I peel it off the paper and hand her a monster pasty. She puts (laughs) it on her breasts and then just like a temporary tattoo, I'll give her some paper towels soaked in water. She'll hold it there for a minute, peel off the paper and her breast is like a Barbie boob. It's perfect. And it's awesome for painting on. So it's like no nipples all of a sudden. No nipples and no seam. So like you don't even see like with other pasties before monster pasties came along, there would be a seam and it would look like fabric and you'd see it just looked awful. Mm-hmm. And then when these were invented, every body painter was like, oh, my God, oh, my God, I need this. And now we hoard. It's ridiculous how we hoard them. Like, <laughs> like we'll be like, you know, I'll trade you this for a monster. No way. You should put a monster pasty in the king cake. Oh, my God. Are you <laughs> kidding? And they're the, it's amazing. And then whoever gets it has to get naked. Right. But see, I have no, listen, I have no problem getting naked. I just feel bad for the people who are <laughs> looking at me as I am na- being painted when I'm naked, but I am going to do it. Damn, do it, girl, do it. And I'll, I'll put some monster pasties Fine. on you. That's yeah, all. And they stay on like um, my friend, Jessica Mello, who is awesome. And she's the m- most famous body painting model in the world because more people have painted her literally. Like she could be in the Guinness book of world records for the person painted the most seriously and she'll put them on at the beginning of a body painting convention that's like a week long and she won't take them off and she'll shower and everything but the pasties stay on and then at the end you take them off with baby oil or mineral oil and your nipples bleed for a year no totally like nothing happened wow it's unbelievable what if okay let me just let me just run this by you sure yep what if lenore did a body painting mm-hmm. yeah on me yeah and then we did a live show i'm already agreeing sure to this. I'm in. Would that make you feel super uncomfortable, anybody? No, why would that no. make me feel Because I would be naked on stage for an hour and a half talking I've, to I people was, about I was shame. naked on stage once. It's fine. It's true. He did feel, oh well. And you, you came to the show twice. So, like, I have no issue. Oh, my uh, God, I'm so excited right now. I can't. I want to, like, paint nostalgia things all no, over No, absolutely. Uh, K- Producer Kent, we're not going to get in trouble for this, right? It's QED, but they she just did this. Yeah, they invited me to QED. It's QED. You shouldn't have a problem. You probably shouldn't sit on the chair, though. You'd probably be standing for the majority. Well, you'd be wearing a thong and monster pasty, so you exactly. wouldn't technically But I wouldn't be sit down because because I want the, the full picture to be. So, yeah, it'll be a standing show. Yeah. Maybe we can do it like a, maybe it won't be a full hour and a half. Maybe it'll be like a one guest. Anyway. <laughs> well, like what we did for this one, because a body painting is very time consuming. So I started 
beforehand. And then, but I, you know, I leave the torso or something. So people feel like they're getting to see the magic. Exactly. And then I bring them out and yeah, it'd be awesome. Listeners, you heard it here first. Yep. Naked body painting. Naked body painting. If nothing else gets, show. if nothing else gets people in the room, not the next live show, Phil. One of the live some, shows. At maybe some the point. last one we do in the city. So Phil and I are moving to LA in January. I know. And we're trying to plan our um, uh, schedule. And uh, I think that we, if you're up for it, Phil, uh, QED offered us January 11th. If we want to make that our last live show and then we uh, What a way to go. What if I go out? uh, Listen, if I'm naked, people are going to show up. Yep. Even even if they don't give, give a shit about the show, of course. Yep. I mean that's that's one way to get a giant crowd. It's so. a guarantee. Yeah. 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 Oh my god. Well, this has been this has been amazing, Lenore. Thank this you. is not the last time so that much, you will Lenore. be yeah, on this podcast. Yeah, you will be back. Thank you. We love you so much. I love you guys too. And I and I just have to say thank you to my friend Ish Peralta, who's amazing, who helped me paint that Stranger Things. Oh yes, he is amazing, and um, he's and incredible. Do you want to tell the listeners uh, where they can find your stuff? Sure. I am at www.thecheekychipmunk.com. Perfect. Thanks, guys. Thank and you. The best Thank- podcast ever. Uh, oh, no, you're, the, you're just the best person ever. That's also true. Uh, all right, guys. Uh, that's it for that jam-packed one. That was um, fantastic. And also, uh, to Lissa's point, I checked my phone once during the show. So uh, mm. you are correct. <laughs> and I am Correct I am, in terms of what? Asshole. Oh, no, just the need to be connected. Yeah, but most of the time you were with us. Yeah, most of the time. I was checking out the king cake, but then I found out I had like five, six. Like, next. Whatever. Who cares? It's okay. It's Everybody, right. drop what you're doing. Go outside and paint a hopscotch board. Roll in the chalk. fucking grass. Or, or paint Roll a naked in, person. Or yeah. paint a naked person. Or be a naked person. Get lost in the city. Is there a part of the city you don't know about? Go to Alphabet City. Go, go take a walk. <laughs> go, go, go take a walk. Don't even look no, at your phone. No, just get out. Just get out. Hello, I'm Ben. As always, I'm Paul. And we're from Juicy Reviews. We have a podcast where we like to talk and review movies. Maybe bring on a wacky character from that movie and always play some games. We like some games. I actually brought a clip, Paul. Wait, you brought a clip? I brought a clip. Can I listen? Yeah. I look mad young, right? Yeah, yeah. you look young in the movie and... Uh, I don't doubt but a bunch of the young chicks at the movie. Oh, you know what? You know what? It's not illegal if you're a police officer. And, and, I believe that, And this yeah. is something I wanted to bring up since you're here. Sure. Tell us about all the hookups on set. Oh, my God. Who's Un- hooking up with who? Yeah. yeah. So, all right. So, like, there's, like, these, like, Asian girls in the movie. Right. They play, I, the twins, right? I triple kissed them. Okay, a little triple kiss. Triple that way you didn't get confused if it was Rachel or Rebecca. Yeah, 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 exactly. I was like, or oh, whatever, and I triple kissed them. Was and was that offset or on camera, or and they got cut out maybe, or? Oh, uh, I didn't do it on camera for sure. Okay. I would never, because I, you know, what I mean, that's I could get in a lot of trouble for that. They, I don't, I don't know how old they are. I could never tell with them. But uh, who else? Let me see. Cecily, the girl. Yeah. I chalked. I, I chalked her. You chalked her. What? <laughs> I chalked what is, her. What is chalking? That's when you kind of forcibly kiss someone. This has been an Atlantic Transmission production. Hey!